This is The Guardian. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello and welcome to the Guardian Football Weekly. Southampton beat City and restrict them to no shots on target. Sounds like one of Barry's daft predictions, doesn't it? A huge night for Nathan Jones, perhaps the biggest of his career and a thoroughly deserved victory. Sets up a Carabao Cup semi-final with the all-powerful Newcastle. Uh, meanwhile, on a rainy night in Nottingham, Forest through to their first League Cup semi-final for 30 years or so after getting past Wolves on penalties. Lots of fingers and ears celebrations and Dean Henderson's knee slide. They'll play Manchester United. We've got City at the weekend in the Premier League. We'll look ahead to that. The North London derby and some huge games at the bottom. There's Arsenal-Chelsea to look forward to in the WSL and quite an obvious and important Inter Milan-based apology from me. All that plus your questions and that's today's Guardian Football Weekly. On the panel today, Jordan Jarrett Bryan, welcome. Morning mate. Hello Robin Cowan. Hi Max, so back from serving my one match ban. Absolutely right, the magic of the cup. I took it like a boober car, I was like I knew what I was doing so I just shook, I shook your hand and I accepted it. <laughs> welcome Barry. Hello, how are you? Uh, did you, I mean did you, did you have the the, the magic of the cup, Robin, in your mind when that winning goal went. I mean, it was a good I, moment. I can't, I just I can't confess it was it, the Stevenage winner. I just thought I've got to say it because it's going to be on a montage. <laughs> so it's got to be said. But next time will be Cup of Dreams, of course. Yes, of course. <laughs> well, Alan says the Sky commentator called last night's victory Southampton the Cup of Dreams. Uh, was he on John Bruin's brainstorming panel? Yeah, Southampton 2, Manchester City 0. Ben says, what on earth's going on at Southampton? Back-to-back cup wins. Versus Premier League opposition, signing exciting players, manager who none of the fans want or like. Can we stay up? Chris, thoughts on the chances of Nathan Jones to lose every league game, but win the <laughs> FA and League Cups? Someone else tweeted, is he, is he losing in the league so he can concentrate on the cup? I mean, what a moment, Barry, for Nathan Jones. Yes, and he uh, milked it. <laughs> Didn't have milk it afterwards in his post-match interviews, during which he was uh, quite spiky, I would say. Um This was a brilliant performance by Southampton and a very brave one, I thought, because Nathan Jones, he's just, you know, he's only played, what, managed six or seven games. The fans, he knows the fans don't like him. He knows they think his was an underwhelming appointment and his team hasn't played well in several league, consecutive league games. So to take the game to Manchester City like they did last night, and win and do so so aggressively and on the front foot 
is I thought it was incredibly courageous because that could have gone all sorts of wrong and they could have got absolutely battered. But they didn't. Uh, they went two up and they, they closed out the game incredibly comfortably against a City side that was a little bit weak, obviously, but it's still a City side and, and man for man, probably better than Southampton in most departments. And afterwards, I, I did enjoy the fact that I've noticed in, in, and it's something Southampton fans have noticed as well, and they didn't like it, is that he's always referred to the team as they, you know, they, they, the players, they did this, they did that. But last night it was we, or <laughs> we. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I thought that was quite interesting. Um, so yeah, but absolutely fair play to him. I mean, I know last week we were saying, questioning the appointment and still has a lot to do. Uh, I think to go to Everton on Saturday, that's a big game. He will have, he certainly bought himself some time there and much needed time. Yeah, Joe tweets, you do know what you're doing. You do know what you're doing, which is a <laughs> chant that people should sing, isn't it? And just imagine how, just how, he's going to walk into the training ground this morning, Robin, just... Mm. You know, he knows just at least for now, at least until Saturday, he's the absolute boss. Yeah, I, I think it's really significant, this win for him, because I think, yeah, but really fans especially were really starting to lose faith in him already. And this um, it's very, very big. And the manner of it is, Barry took the words right out of my mouth. It was so brave what they were doing, playing in tight spaces and they were comfortable. It wasn't a backs to the wall win at all. Um, they were fantastic. But yes, um, I was listening to him on Five Live and he was saying that the performances have been there previously and that hard disagree on that. <laughs> I, 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 did the, I did their game against Nottingham Forest and they were just abysmal. They looked like they didn't know what they... They looked like they, they really didn't know what they were doing there. <laughs> um, so, I mean, the turnaround and to produce this against Man City and, you know... Harlan comes on. When I saw him stripping off, I think, well, here we go. He's just going to score a couple easily and, and this will be it. But he was still making those runs and he was shackled. And it's just, I'm so impressed with them to be able to do that and to instill that confidence in them so quickly after a really bad defeat against Forrest is a huge credit to Nathan Jones. Um, I'm I'm expecting Jordan to come in and say, actually, it wasn't that good now. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I think actually this game actually was more about Man City being bad than Southampton being good. But I will give them credit because it can't be easy if you're Nathan Jones and you know, as you mentioned there, Max, that there's a large part of the fan base that aren't having you and even want you out already. I'm still not convinced he starts next season as the manager at Southampton, but this 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 deserves a lot of credit. <clears throat> they were brave. They were really brave. A couple of really good goals. I love the first man. goal. Really good goals, Max, um, in this game. They, 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 they deserved what they got. Southampton are a weird club. I don't know how you can be, as, as Robin was saying, so bad against a Nottingham Forest team and, and previous to that, but yet be so brave and on the front foot. And they played some good football against the best team, you know, the, the Premier League champions. They're, they're a really random team. But no, fair play to them. Fair play to them. And Barry, I mean, what, what does this mean for whether Ralph Hasenhutl was good or not? <laughs> no idea. The goals were great. For the second goal, Barry, I'm not entirely sure what Ortega is doing, but still, Gineppo has a lot of work to do. Well, he, did he have a lot to do? I mean, he advanced <laughs> upfield into acres of space. Kyle Walker didn't engage. 
uh, didn't try to challenge him. He spotted the keeper off his line, so he had one thing to do, and that was chip him or lob him, and that's exactly what he did. <laughs> and he did it very well. And one would imagine his confidence isn't particularly high because I think he hadn't scored for the best part of two years. But... Um, no, I'm, I'm going to hard disagree, Max, there, Max. Okay. He didn't have a lot to do. He had one thing to do, and he did it perfectly. Yeah, it looked lovely, didn't yeah. it? Uh, Nadim, Nadim, who was a panel for Sky, I mean, he's everywhere. We launched him. He'll, he'll forget us soon enough. Said the first goal was elite strikers play from Sekou Mara, who uh, is his first goal. Aside from Bordeaux, his mum is a French news presenter on TF1. Uh, that's what the research that I've managed to find out. Uh, this morning. Um, um, City Robin had no shots on target. First time since 2018. I mean, that's mad, isn't it? That's astounding. Absolutely astounding. Um, and and I think, you know, uh, most of the credit should go to Southampton. But yes, they, they were poor. They were poor yesterday. Um, I, but I just think that's Southampton were just shut them down brilliantly. Um, you know, Li- Lianco, who put that perfect through ball in for Mara, you know, he won it went down the wing and he was the one who who, who made that massive mistake against Forrest. I think the, the Southampton fans like him. I mean, yeah, defensively, they, they've made a lot of individual errors this season, but they managed to not do any at all um, against City last night. And um, I think they were saying that's the first time Pep Guardiola's lost a cup quarterfinal in his career. So, I mean, big. This is big. Yeah, Man City are also weird. I, this, this was... I took more from their defeat on this on this one because it seems like everything is geared towards them trying to win the Champions League. They feel a lot more beatable this year. And there's echoes of United and two stints with Ronaldo coming in and Zlatan a few years before that. They've brought in a better player, but are they arguably easier to beat? Are they, are they worse? That sounds a little bit crazy, but they've got in this absolute machine up front that can't stop scoring, but yet they seem to feel as opposed to last year, definitely a lot easier to beat. And it just, it feels to me like with their league form being a bit, yeah, they're now out of the, out of the Carabao Cup and we'll see what my lot Arsenal can do in the FA Cup against them. It all feels like the focus is, this is the year we have to win the Champions League. And that is a mad thought, isn't it? Like Nathan says, what percentage of the panel put on Man City going trophyless this season? If they do, was bringing in a recognised striker, as Jordan says, a mistake. Like the idea that, you could bring in Haaland. He scores a million goals every game. And yet... You finish third. <laughs> potless, yeah. It's, it's ridiculous, Barry. Well, I mean, if they don't win the Premier League and Arsenal do, Pep will look like an awful chump. The fact that he was happy to sell Gabriel Jesus and Alexander Sinchenko to the Gooners su- suggested he didn't see them as any sort of threat in the title race. And... Thus far, he's been proven very wrong. It, it is conceivable that they could go trophyless. It's unlikely, but I, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet against it. Would that be the first time since he? Well, they went trophyless his first season, I think, didn't they? They not yes, win. That's when he was for... a fraud. Yeah, bald fraud. Yeah, they proved us wrong. I think you could probably tell how angry he was by how sort of happy he appeared to be and sort of how generous. In, in, you know, defeat he was to Southampton. Unless he was just being generous in defeat and I'm reading far too much into it. Um, you're shaking your head, Robin. <laughs> he's, a, he's a really tricky one to interview. Thankfully, I haven't had to do it for quite some time. But 
He's just a weird bloke, isn't he? He's really, <laughs> he's really intense. And I really like, I, I love the way when, when they batter teams, he's he's always so complimentary about the opposition and how they play against them. And yeah, actually, to be fair to him, he wasn't that bad yesterday after the defeat. You know, obviously, sometimes he's very, very awkward. But um, have you had to have you had to chat to him after defeat then? Yeah, I still I remember that? clearly after I was just re- reporting final score, the Andros Townsend belter. Oh yeah, uh, for Crystal Palace, which they lost. Carl Walker had one of the worst games I've ever seen him have, which he occasionally does. I mean, I think one of them was last night. And I asked him about that and he went, oh, I think it was one of his best games. So it's just, it's just very awkward. <laughs> yeah. Because it's quite hard in that moment to go, I'm not sure, Pet. You know, like that's what, that's what everybody wants you to do. But you're like, then he'll ban me. He'll do what Sir Alex did. I'll be banned. I won't be able to talk yeah. to him ever mm. again. So interviewing managers afterwards is a completely thankless task. It's utterly, it's My almost worst, pointless, yeah. isn't it? I hate doing it. I hate yeah. doing it. That's what you should say. You don't want to be here and neither do I. So look, let's get it done quickly. Yeah. Should we just not bother? <laughs> Sorry, is is it is it worth just something Robin said there about Kyle Walker having a poor game last night, which I agree with. He was I thought he was a bit culpable for both goals, but Calvin Phillips and Jack Grealish were way off it as well again. And that at what point do you decide maybe they weren't good signings or maybe there isn't a place for them at City. I, I agree, Barry. I think that to the point about them being a worse team but having brought in a superstar striker, I think Pep was banking on the likes of Grealish for sure this year in kicking on. He let, he let Sterling go as well. I think this was the year that he really thought Grealish is going to, you know, fill that void, get those goals that Sterling and Jesus got. And I, and I think you're right to flag it. I, I don't think that the, the Phillips one was never meant to be a, a mainstay in the first 11 anyway. But in these sorts of games, you'd expect him to deliver and step up in the Carabao Cup. But I think there's massive question marks over those two signings in particular. And they could be an element as to why City, if they don't win a trophy, don't win a trophy. I think it's slightly early for Phillips, don't we think? I think it's quite early for both of them, isn't it? I think. But at least, at least Grealish has had a season and a bit. Like Phillips has had an injury, and he's also, of course, got really fat as well, as we know. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, we 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 will see, won't we, Jordan? But like, I think Grealish played didn't Grealish play really well the other day in the second half, and everyone was saying at halftime he was hopeless, and then he set up two goals. And yeah, I think he's a wonderful player. I mean, if you cost a hundred million pounds, of course. More eyes are on you, aren't they? Or the same eyes are on you, just more intently. Um, on, on a side note, Matty says, um, would you be able to do a bit on on the kits last night? Happening more and more often nowadays, it's just stupid, particularly when there are alternatives available. Being colourblind, I can't watch the game. Um, maybe speak to at colourblind.org. I know occasionally I used to get annoyed with unnecessary kit clashes. And then it was explained to me, well, these two kits are like this because of colourblindness. And I'm, I'm sure they look at it in the Premier League, but I don't know why they didn't. Um, and that is annoying for you and is something that should be sorted out. And, and perhaps we'll give this guy a call and chat about it because what a waste of time when there are so many kits. Seems easily avoidable, doesn't it? Um, Forest won Wolves, one Forest winning on penalties into the semi-final for the first time since 1992. Dean Henderson uh, saving from youngster Joe Hodge. Jose Sarr looked very cold and wet in the shootout. That was sort of my main <laughs> observation, just like wanting it to end. Is that a fair result, Barry? It, was, it felt quite hard to choose between these two, but Forrest probably edged it. Uh, yeah, I suppose. That, I think if, if Wolves had won the shoes out, we, you could probably say the same thing. Yeah, probably. Um, so that's, 
and that's why it went to a shootout, I guess. Forrest, you know, they, they were decent, quick counterattacks. The goal was really scruffy, and they needed Dean Henderson to pull off a couple of really, really good saves to get to the shootout. But, yeah, I wouldn't begrudge them their place in the semi-final at all. But, I, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a sort of a coin toss of a game. And actually, you mentioned Dean Henderson, Robin, and the, the, like the biggest part of all of this is because they're playing Manchester United, he can't play in the semi-final. And, that, and Wayne Hennessy comes in and that, that does feel like a, a sort of a down trade of goalkeepers. Mm. Yeah, no, it's a huge shame, actually, because Dean Henderson, as Barry rightly said, he made loads of really good saves. And obviously, he's got a fantastic penalty record as well. And yeah, he's he's got that main character energy, as you mentioned in the intro, the big old knee slide. I'm not sure I've seen that from a goalkeeper. It's mm. like a, it'd be great for him to be up against Emiliano Martinez. They can out, you know, who's the biggest shithouse out of both of them. Going back to the fact Dean Henderson is uh, ineligible to play for, that rule is stupid and sh- should be eliminated. Because to the best of my knowledge, it's not, a global thing. It's just a peculiarly English thing, I think. I know it doesn't apply in the Champions League, but, um, yeah, it's a really daft rule. I mean, Manchester United have sent this player out on loan. There doesn't seem to be any great love between, lost between Manchester United and him. You know, he was quite very disparaging of them as soon as he arrived at Forest. And it just makes no sense that he's not allowed to play. And even if... Manchester United do want him back to, with a view to becoming their number one keeper. Well, then surely big game semi-final experience is is what they've sent him out and loaned. That they're the kind of games he should be playing to to get that experience and become a get, better goalkeeper. Barry, I agree with you one hundred percent. It is a silly rule, and if we can change it in the next couple of weeks, then um, we'll have achieved something. But I'm not sure if we have that much power. I did enjoy the penalty shootout, Jordan. I mean, because because sort of, there just seemed to be a lot of like Morgan Gibbs White scored and then put his fingers in his ears to the Wolves fans, and then, like, and then the next Wolves player then did it to the Forest fans, and because I think there were both Forest and Wolves fans sort of behind that goal, weren't they? Like yeah. on different bits, and so like there was all sorts of drama in, in that moment. Uh, am I right in thinking that the things in the ear is just I can't hear the noise now, or I can't hear what you're saying now? Is that is that what it's for? Is that is that? I think so. I can't. Yeah, okay. I, I mean, I presume so. Okay. Well, I think Gibbs Gibbs White is always he's an ex ex Wolves, and I think he's yeah. been they've been hammering him. But then I didn't really understand why everyone else started doing it after that. It, it, it must be as, as Max as Max says. They must have been on the upper tier. They must have been the Forest fans, and the, I don't know. Yeah, but I I just love the fact that a player that plays against his former club scores a penalty in a shootout doesn't give a shit and says, "Listen, what are you saying <laughs> yeah. now?" I absolutely loved it. I loved it. Meanwhile, Willie Bolly did, you know, the absolute non-celebration. It was almost like he didn't. He also didn't know. He didn't know he'd scored. He was like that. Like he was that desperate, not not to celebrate. Um, so look, Southampton, Newcastle, Forest, Manchester United. These are actually, Robin, I think, really nicely set up these semi-finals. I mean, I think the, you know there are clear favourites in both, but I think you would be naive to say it's a guaranteed Newcastle, Manchester United final. Yes, I think so. They're back to. Um... They're two-legged, aren't they? They're two-legged, um, yeah. So yeah, it's um, I think yeah, you're right. Those are two clear favourites. But no, it, it's great. It's also great that apart from Man United, there are teams there that we don't really see potentially reaching a a cup final. Obviously, if Southampton don't win at the weekend at Everton, 
Southampton fans, would you take going down but then winning the League Cup and potentially the FA Cup and not not winning again in the Premier League this season? I think you I think you would have to take that. I mean, you would, I've, wouldn't you? I've definitely done those phone-ins before and Wigan and Birmingham fans obviously, you know, have, have direct experience of this and, you know, you... You can get relegated. You can go up again, but winning a trophy is not easy. Yeah, and I think I agree. Take, I think you would take it. Um, uh, Ryan says, "Can I ask why the jingles were so loud on Wednesday's pod? I nearly swerved and crashed into a lamppost when part two started. I don't know the answer, and I very much <laughs> hope you don't swerve and crash into a lamppost when part two begins in just a second." Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to part two of the Guardian Football Weekly. I um, hope everyone's all right after that jingle. <laughs> uh, um, uh, let's look ahead to the, the Premier League games. Fulham-Chelsea took me by surprise. It's tonight. Um, Fulham three points clear of Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea do have a game in hand. Uh, you know, Chelsea's sort of fascinating Jordan at the moment. You know, getting Jao Felix on loan. You know, Aubameyang hasn't worked, wants to go back to Barcelona. He, he can, he, they're the only club he can go to because of UA for rules. And if they lose tonight, they're what six points behind Fulham. They are, you know, they're behind Brentford as well, the smallest club in West, <laughs> in West London. London. I've got a Chelsea supporting dad, and if Fulham win this game tonight, makes it I'm... sound like you've got more than one dad. Maybe you do. One supports Crew. One supports exactly yeah. uh, Brentford. <laughs> um, and if if Fulham win this game tonight, I'm going to have a bet with him that Fulham finish above Chelsea this season um I'm impressed with what Fulham are doing but yeah Chelsea Chelsea are a mess and Chelsea with this Felix signing for me it doesn't feel like they're learning lessons it doesn't feel like it was a planned signing that is an obvious obvious fit for what Graham Potter is trying to do a lot of people are comparing uh you know Potter with Arteta and stick with Potter because you've got to go through the pain to get to the good the good times I don't necessarily think that that's why you should stick with Potter although I think they should stick with Potter but it feels like all around Potter there's 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 a lack of plan of what they're trying to do and the Felix signing which I think is a horrible deal it's a really high side um loan fee uh, massive wages and they can't keep him into next season if it goes well it's a really bad and a weird deal which is symptomatic for me I think of the chaos that's happened at Chelsea but listen there may be a method to the madness that Tom Bowley is imbuing there at that club but Chelsea are in a bad way and I can't see any obvious um, way out of it I can't see like okay they're in a bad way now but I can see a plan going forward I, I just don't see it I totally agree with you Jordan because it just they've they've now spent I think over 350 million since the summer and do they look any better well, I'm, I'm not sure if they do and then You've got all these signings that looked really good under, you know, when the embargo was lifted under Frank Lampard, like Ziesch and, and Havertz, who just still, they look promising, but just not quite firing and being consistent. And I feel for Graham Potter because it's like he's he's kind of stuck with 
these players. And also, I, I just wondered, does he want all these new? It's like, oh God, it's another one. <laughs> You've got me another one. Like, I'm not. Does he want all this? I I don't know because I also don't know how. Um, I always find it very interesting to to hear how involved the manager is in sort of recruitment and how or 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 not involved at all. And I just feel like he keeps being given more and more players, and I don't know if it's helping. Well, he's a Christian Pulisic like now for the next couple of months, I think, because he's been ruled out with injury, I believe. So um, that's one less uh, head head count to worry about in training. Yeah, I mean, he, they do have the mitigating circumstances are the injuries, and as Wilson yeah. has pointed out on more than one occasion, you know, Reese James and Ben Chilwell make such a difference to that team. But you know, if you are aspire to be a top four club, you need to have strength and depth. I guess is you know is the converse argument. And you're right, but they may well beat they may well beat Fulham tonight. Jordan, should you not be putting this bet on with your um, Chelsea supporting father now rather mm. than after the game? Yeah, hot take, JJB. Yeah, but yeah. well, the only thing is, I think if they go six points ahead of Chelsea, that for me is a is a good enough buffer for me to be confident oh. that Fulham can hold them off. Three points isn't quite I enough. See. Yeah, you're all good with the hot takes, but when suddenly money's involved. <laughs> yeah. I'm a wimp. <laughs> Manchester Derby on Saturday. Eight wins on the bounce for Manchester United. I mean, you could argue, Robin, this is the first real test in this run, but that seems harsh because winning eight games in a row anywhere is good. I sort of feel this is a fascinatingly set up game, especially with that result last night. It's 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 really beautifully poised, this, isn't it? It is, and also with Pep Guardiola's comments of him saying he might potentially do something weird, <laughs> and who knows what that could be. Uh, yeah, that would be interesting. I do think they need to get, as you mentioned in the previous pod, Max, if you, they get Big Vout in, it's nailed on, because, uh, you know, Brentford got it launched against them, and they did not like it. And if they get Veghorst in for the for the derby, that, that could really, um, that could be it. So, no, you're right, it's something... To really look forward to. Um, the only thing I would say is City, um, obviously last night aside, the points they've dropped in the Premier League have generally been at home. So that defeat to Brentford and the draw against Everton, they seem to be slightly more potent away from home. But yeah, no, can't wait. It's um, yeah, it's a big one for Eric Ten Hag because the reverse fixture was an absolute embarrassment, wasn't it? And he was he was very angry. Um, so yeah, he'll he'll definitely be wanting to at least put in a better performance. I'm going to go hot take turbocharge here and suggest that some of the fixtures coming up for some of the big teams, Arsenal, United, uh, City, Tottenham and Chelsea, all play each other quite a lot over the next four or five weeks. And if the results for City don't go their way, City have got United, they've got Spurs twice, I think, in the next couple of weeks. And and my lot, Arsenal soon as well. If these don't go well for, for, for City... Is there a chance that City could not finish in the top four? No. Wow. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm d- United, United are looking good. Arsenal yeah. are doing their thing. Spurs like being. They, they like playing Man City. No, is that is that is that a hot take too far? I mean, that is sizzling. Listen, I'm such an optimistic Tottenham fan when I'm watching them, like with full of hope. But when it's sort of f- three days away or a week away. I'm quite a realist. And I would say two games against Spurs is really nice for Man City. I would, <laughs> I, I, I would say at this stage. Um, God, that would be absolutely wild. Wouldn't it? You sign Haaland and you come fifth. <laughs> not, not only that, but you, you sign Haaland and he scores lots and lots of goals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it's also the North London Derby this weekend. It's on Sunday. 
it's a huge game for both sides, isn't it, Baz? Because because Arsenal didn't win for the first time in ages against Newcastle. Spurs have to win to keep in touch with the top four. And you've got Harry Kane one goal away from Jimmy Greaves' record. I mean, it's set up. And it's that's why Jarrett Lane, obviously. Yeah. Um, it is, it's a massive game. There's some really good fixtures this weekend, actually. And this is, is one of them. And it's, it's got top billing Sunday 4.30 p.m. Uh, game. I think Arsenal are unquestionably a much better team than Tottenham. Whether or not they will beat them uh, at the lane, I don't know. But I, I would be veering towards Arsenal in that one, but not with a huge amount of confidence. Uh, but yeah, I, I think they probably will win it. I think it's a must-win for Spurs. I think it's a must-win for Arsenal as well because of the drop points against Newcastle. If Arsenal have aspirations of wanting to win this Premier League title, they have to win the majority of their home games. And if you drop points, albeit against another top team, which they did against Newcastle, I feel like you've got to make it up in the next game. And also because if Arsenal were to lose this match to Spurs, their next game is against Manchester United. Now, let's say United beat City, which could happen. Spurs beat Arsenal. United go into that game of the Emirates then licking their lips. And then I'm mentioning City not finishing the top four. This time next month, Arsenal's standing could look very different as well. So, so, so none of them are going to finish in the top finish. four. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Brentford in the top four. I've got Chelsea in the top four. <laughs> yeah. I, I just think it's an important game for Arsenal because if they, if they were to beat Spurs at Spurs... They, they can then bounce into that next game against United. I think that sends out a message, especially if City were to lose. So it's it's a must win, I think, for both clubs in this North London derby. In fact, it's a must win for all four clubs um, in on Super... Well, I know they're both on Sunday, but for City, United, Spurs and Arsenal. Everyone's got to win. Everyone just has to <laughs> <Yeah>. win. <laughs> how, do you see some, how do you see the North London derby going, Robin? Well, I want to ask you that. I mean, are you really... Are you just hoping... I mean, how, how do you think Spurs could win this? I mean, I think Arsenal are such a well-oiled machine. You know, mm. they're just so nice to watch. They play such, like, joyous, fluid football. And if Tottenham do what they've tried to do recently and just sort of passively let the first half happen, that is a really bad, bad idea. I don't know on the fitness of Kulisevsky and Bentoncourt. I think that makes a big difference. Um, and, you know, they need Sun to become the footballer he was last season like they need that that desperately I've actually written a column about this for Harry Kane saying you know he'll score a penalty in injury time to get the record it just feels like that has to be but obviously that's a completely ridiculous idea isn't it um you mentioned a lot of other big games Barry I mean at the bottom like Everton Saints Forest Leicester Wolves West Ham are all enormous aren't they yeah absolutely well Go, just quickly go back to the top. Um, my turbo hot take is I think Brighton will do a number on Liverpool uh, on Fair. Saturday. Um, I don't know how hot a take that is currently. Yeah, probably I'd say that's just a it's just a take. A tepid, tepid take. Leave, yeah. leave the hot takes to me, Barry, mate. Leave the hot <laughs> takes to me. <laughs> yeah, the, down at the bottom, um, Forest Leicester is a huge game and obviously the, the bitter rivalry between those two clubs. Forest are on an an upward trajectory. They're they're certainly heading in the right direction. I see no reason why that shouldn't continue against Leicester, who been what they were they weren't very good against Gillingham in the cup. They lost um in the League Cup midweek, and yeah, I, I see no reason why they would beat Forest at Forest on on Saturday. Uh, what's the other one? 
Uh, Wolves West Ham. Oh yeah, Wolves West Ham. Big game. I I I'd be edging towards Wolves. They're there at home. West Ham haven't been particularly impressive. Uh, Aston Villa Leeds. It's a big game for Leeds. They they just can't quite get going, can they? They're they almost look like a very good team, but they're not quite there, and, and they don't seem to get much luck. And uh, yeah, Everton Southampton, another massive game, and let's see how how Southampton react after last night's brilliant win. They should go into that game full of confidence. I would imagine there ain't too much confidence or surrounding the tra- Everton training ground at the moment. So, yeah, to, but uh, just a load of really fascinating fixtures. Do you think they're still booing at Goodison Park from the last home game? <laughs> Goodness the echoes me. are still there. Yeah. <laughs> God, I mean, it's Robin, it's great how tight it is at the bottom, isn't it? And you it, just sort of yeah. want that, right? 13, so Leicester have got 17 points in 13th place. And, okay, Southampton are on 12, but, you know, Everton and the relegation are on 15. Like, we just you just got to hope that it doesn't thin out and they're all still in this sort of trouble with like three games to go. Yeah, that's the thing. I think the the relegation battle in recent years has been a bit dull, hasn't it? Because we've had like, well, whenever Norwich <laughs> come up, they're usually straight back down and Watford as well. So no, and, and they're all showing that they can produce performances. I do think with Leicester... Without Madison, I think they were showing that that they showed that he was actually really carrying them. He he was having a sensational season, and they're really struggling without him. And it was really it made me very sad to see Jamie Vardy miss an absolute sitter against Newcastle. Yeah. It's like his powers are starting to wane. Just wonder maybe he's built up an immunity to Red Bull or something. You know, when you <laughs> when you have too many antibiotics <laughs> it's just yeah it's quite sad to see to see that because he what a premier league icon he is um so yeah i mean leicester really i mean they st- still feel like they're in trouble i have no idea when madison's going to return um and then yeah with um i think with, bournemouth are in trouble i mean i think bournemouth yes. go to brentford i know they don't they're, they're not in a six pointer but they just you know they've lost their last three and, i and wonder just... could they have just kept it quiet that they gave gary o'neill the permanent job because, like, just keep interim and then this might not have happened. This downward trajectory may not have happened. It's ridiculous that that is a thing, but it really <laughs> feels like it is a thing. Um, anyway, look, we'll obviously look back at all these games uh, on Monday's pod. Uh, one for you from Bongo. Would like Jordan Jarrett Bryant to expand on his Declan Rice take? Uh, because even as a Hammers fan, I agreed with everything he said last time. I just wondered, did you get any feedback on on suggesting that Declan Rice wasn't I, that good I, I did and to be fair it was it was split some thought I was talking absolute rubbish and some were like yeah I know I don't want to say it too loud either but we th- listen I, I want to be clear Declan Rice is a really good football player and any player I criticize on the Guardian Football Weekly podcast I accept is significantly better at playing the game of football than I am however I often feel there's lots of players that we over rate and over talk about being brilliant and great and maybe they're just semantics of words but I hear Declan Rice spoken about as this like amazing player and I just don't see it I see a good player I see a good player that is probably better than West Ham but the talk of 150 million 100 million pound plus that for me falls into the Harry Maguire bracket of it's probably double what what I think he's worth so I think he's a good player but I think he's spoken about in in way too high terms that's all okay um, that'll do for part two. Part three, uh, we'll look ahead to the WSL. Do any other business as well?
Welcome to part three of the Guardian Football Weekly. Um, Robin, you'll be at Arsenal-Chelsea on Sunday in the WSL. Uh, Chelsea, 27 points from 10 games. Arsenal, 24 points from nine games. Uh, Man United, just two points uh, behind Arsenal. Amos says, would Arsenal stand a better chance against Chelsea if they start Mead and Miedemar and get them to strap themselves together and running around <laughs> using the two functioning knees they have between them? Um, <laughs> like a be, three-legged fascinating- race. Exactly, yeah. It should be a fascinating game, shouldn't it? Yeah, and but I think that's the big point is that Arsenal, without Mead and Miedemar for the foreseeable, both will like, well, Miedemar's definitely going to miss the World Cup. Mead was kind of saying she's hopeful, but I, I seriously doubt it. And it's just this scourge of ACL injuries to top players, which is so, mm. it's just, it's so sad to see uh, in the women's game. Um, so yeah, Arsenal without two very, very big players. They made a couple of signings there in the January transfer window, both sort of young midfielders. Um, and uh, Victoria Pullover and Katarina Kuhl. So I'm not sure if they'll start, but yeah, I mean, Chelsea will be favourites, I think, just because they, apart, they lost their first game. I don't know if you remember to Liverpool after it was 2-1, three penalties, so very bizarre. Yeah. And since then they've won every single WSL game and they look very imperious. They had a really good um, win against PSG in the Champions League just before the break. Um, Kirby's back, Sam Kerr, Gura Wrighton, they got a ridiculous sort of, attacking force so I think they'll probably be favourites although it's at the Emirates and um, you know Jonas Edevals is a really astute manager but yeah huge blow um, and very difficult to replace Mead and Miedemar. Um so I, I, I think they'll probably will still try and recruit a couple more forwards before the window shuts and then yeah just like the Premier League the title race is fantastic Man United in third uh, and they beat Arsenal at the Emirates just before the break. So really showing that they can produce against the big sides. That was the big question mark. And they keep they kept coming fourth. So they could come fourth the last three seasons, which is just outside the Champions League places. So real hope that they'll at least get a Champions League place for the first time in their history. And then Man City again, slow start, lost their first two. But now they're, they're picking up and they're in fourth just behind uh, Man United. Unfortunately, relegation looks nailed on for Leicester, who have not got a single point from their nine games. So they look they look pretty doomed. I don't know if you know the answer to this. I mean, it, like you say, it's such a it's such a massive shame. I've always like Miedemar's sort of my favourite player in the women's game. It's such a shame she's missing the World Cup. She's just such a natural talent, and and Mead, Mead of course as well. I, I, so I don't know if you know the answer to this. Presumably, so much there is so much discussion about ACL injuries in the women's game. It doesn't you know, to the layman, seem possible to to change that. You know, you've got to run around, you've got to twist and turn, like you can't not do that. But but I just wonder what advances there are in, I don't know, strengthening quads and hamstrings and whatever to 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 change it or to, to reduce the, the risks. Yeah, there's a lot. But I mean, there's there's been a lot of podcasts, a lot written about it. And actually nothing is, in fact, it seems to be getting worse. But I think that's because people, they're playing more games. You know, there's more games in the Champions League now. There's more internationals. And so it's more likely they're going to get it. But yeah, there's there's so many aspects that people have um, raised, like um, that could contribute, like periods, like footwear, because you know they're not bespoke footwear. They're ultimately, mm-hmm. unless you, I think you can get sort of you know molded to your feet. But that, you know, this is talking about the top level um, players who can do that. And then also just the way they land, sort of hips. It's a lot of a lot of stuff and a lot of research because ultimately most medical research has been on men. 
and um, yeah. so it's still very very behind and hopefully more can be done to to stop it because you know you kind of pref- in football anyway you kind of prefer a broken bone don't you to an ACL because it's just the worst and in terms of rehab and recovery it's it's the lengthiest injury and also I think you're more likely to do it again either to the 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 elbow knee or or the same one you know a lot of them do end up doing it again after returning so and it's just whenever you hear about it you think oh no not another one it's just mm. yeah it's really sad i mean look the discussion in the men's game again again about players playing too much is also true right and at some mm-hmm. point you know that the trouble is the people at the top of the game and i presume it's the same in the women's as it is in the men's you know more games equals more money now more money obviously means more you know, at some point means more research into things like how do we stop this? But we need our elite footballers to play less football, men or women. I mean, it seems that simple. And how you do that when you've got Infantino trying to start, you know, Club World Cup this, 80 million teams in the the, the men's World Cup, et cetera, et cetera. It just doesn't feel like, you know, I don't know, I, I don't know about you, but it feels like there's been football every day for like the yeah. last... <laughs> decade, right? I just can't remember a time when he's going, oh, there's yeah. another one going, oh, you know, and it's tiring enough to have to just watch it, but like for these, you know, people to have to run around the whole time. They're not playing in every game, but uh, yeah, what a shame that they're, they're going to miss the World Cup. Um, obviously, Women's Football Weekly, Guardian Women's Football Weekly is excellent, but Robin is on it a lot, as are lots of other brilliant panellists uh, and Faker others, your host. So download it and everyone should listen to it. Here to watch, says Gilliam, have put the Crawley matches, pay what you can for all tickets, which is nice, isn't it, Barry? Is, is this pay what you can before you go in or pay what you think they deserve after the game is over? That's quite a good idea, isn't it? Yeah. Sounds like a risk. It does. It does. Gillingham, you know, aren't having the greatest season. They've only scored seven in the league. So, you know, if they did score, you'd have to you'd have to chuck them more than a ticket, wouldn't you, really? I think I think it'd be in a comedy gig where that was the deal. You paid on the way out, so whatever you thought, depending on how how entertained you've been, you you dig deeper into your pocket. Um well it's Neil Harris, he's in charge of Gillingham, isn't he? Um, yeah. And the Crawley, um, oh, the Crawley, yeah, sorry, I forgot yeah. Crawley. Or they're they're in absolute meltdown, aren't they? They've just taken the Swindon manager, so I've no idea why he's gone from Swindon to Crawley, who look a complete basket case. Um, yeah, actually, because we we talked about West Brom, and a Birmingham fan got in touch to say, look, all well and good talking about West Brom, but like there was real problems at Birmingham City. There's obviously Crawley as well. We have plans in the pipeline to, to sort of break down a basket case, basically. basket case <laughs> EFL pod because there are lots of clubs that are sort of being run in incredibly weird and desperate ways, and some of them are quite funny unless it's your club, and then it's shit basically. And so uh, we will do that in the near future. Well, I I, th- I think we all saw the Crawley car crash coming. I mean, you didn't have to be a genius to figure that one out or to to foresee disaster there. But um, I think we probably need more than one special. To, to... It, it's a, it's a announced Kieran Maguire klaxon, isn't it, <laughs> for, for, for that pod. Um, Immy has been in touch to say, Hi, Football Weekly, on your pod today, you mentioned that Peter Crouch isn't that good in the air. He currently holds the record for most headed goals in Premier League history. <laughs> what would he have to do to be considered good in the air? Um, it's quite a good point, isn't it? I saw this on Twitter yesterday. Someone someone raised it. I maintain what I said. 
he, he is an aerial threat. And obviously, because he's six foot seven, he is going to score headers. But I think for a player who's six foot seven inches tall and a striker, he was nowhere near as good in the air as he should have been. But but no other centre forward has scored more headers than him in the Premier League. He he scored. I think he scored fifty one headers. I think he should have scored a lot more. Okay, yeah, fair enough. No, no, I, I I instinctively agreed with you when you said it. When somebody sent me the statistic, I found it quite funny. Um, but it was you and Johnny. Look, well, you weren't alone in 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 saying that. Or maybe he was just so much better with his feet that he was very good at heading, but because he was better with his feet, we'd have a sort of false look at how his aerial prowess. Do do we know what what, what are the charts there? Like who's who's near him at the top of the charts? I, I'm going to guess Shears probably up there somewhere. K- Cahill? Tim Cahill? Cahill. So here we go. Um, I think Kane, Kane, Kane's probably up there now. He keeps scoring headers. Okay, so this is in the Premier League only all-time stats. Crouch is top with 40. Kane is second with 37. Uh, Cahill is seventh, joint seventh on 22. Andy and Carroll? You've got Andy Carroll, joint, is sixth on 24. Shearer? He is not there. I mean, right, that can't wow. be possible. That cannot be possible. It cannot be possible that Shearer is not in the Un- top Unless... Oh, did he play? He was pre-Premier League as well. Did he intersect? Was he? I mean, I think mostly he was Premier League, wasn't he? 92, 93. Um, do you want them? Yeah. What, come on, Barry. One of one of your one of your. Oh, favorites. Quinny. No. Super. Giroud. Giroud. Giroud is there fourth. Christian Benteke is third. Ah, right. Uh, Andy Carroll, Tim Cahill, Kenwin Jones, Mikhail Antonio, and Wayne Rooney are uh, the top 10 according to this chart but no Shearer seems very strange doesn't it so you know look forward to uh, <laughs> look forward to being corrected on that one from from up to Joe uh, an updated <laughs> chart from up to Joe Crouch Shearer Dion Dublin Les Ferdinand Dwight York Duncan Ferguson Teddy Sheringham Olivier Giroud Tim Cahill Christian Benteke so the Premier League website itself <laughs> needs updating. Um, PM Ryder says, amongst others, uh, I should read out a couple of these. I'm sorry to crush your excitement at Buffon playing at 44, but into 1-2-1 in extra time with a winner coming from an Acerbi header 18 yards out after Buffon couldn't get back up quick enough, having got low down for a save, <laughs> which he parried, knocking Palmer out. I don't know, I just saw somewhere that Palmer had won and I clearly wasn't doing enough research, so my apologies. And, uh, uh, you know, bad luck, especially apologies to Palmer fans who hadn't followed the game and were following on this pod. (laughs) I'd imagine this pod is where Palmer fans come for all the latest Palmer news. (laughs) Uh, And uh, Will says, how did Robin Cowan feel about soundtracking the London New Year's Eve fireworks? Will any other Football Weekly regulars receive this honour in the future? Didn't know you did this, Robin. Well, I... uh I didn't either because I was in bed at nine thirty, <laughs> so I got oh. a lot of messages saying, "Yeah, um, yeah, very odd, very." Who odd. did the fireworks? So you didn't do it? No, I, apparently my voice was on it. Ah. Um, 
I was not involved in in anything. I was just told that oh, we heard you. For, for some reason, they put um, Euro commentary on the fireworks. I don't know why. Oh right, but well, they didn't just record. They didn't surreptitiously. A deep fake. <laughs> so someone recorded you just doing a countdown. Just just go ten nine eight seven. That is weird, isn't it? All right, so you weren't there live. Oh, okay. Well, I oh, no, 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 no. Nice. Do you get money for this? Unfortunately not, no. I was oh. thinking about this because my commentary's played a fair amount now. and it, it It is, yeah. I would have loved to have, yeah, if I had the foresight to do that, like, like one of those people who have a one-hit wonder and don't have to work again because <laughs> it's just <laughs> or like a Christmas song. That I, can would be... just see, I can just see BBC management reacting when you say, they say, Rob, we'd like you to do the final, and you say... I would like my, I'd like to own the <laughs> world rights to this. And them saying, we found somebody else. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> that backfired. <laughs> oh, what a, what a, what a, it's wonderful you did it anyway, isn't it, Robin? What a great, you know. Oh, who yeah. else? It's you and Kenneth Wollstoneholm. They're the only people who have commentated on, you know, England winning a major trophy. So, you mm. know. You're in good company. It's not bad, not bad. Downhill um, from here. <laughs> isn't it? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. We all peaked years ago, Robin. You know, it's, <laughs> I'm in good company. It's nice to know when you have peaked because you don't have to achieve anything else. Um, and that'll do for today. Uh, thank you, Jordan. Cheers, mate. Thank you, Robin. Thanks, Max. Thanks, Baz. Cheers. Our Football Weekly was produced by Silas Gray. Our executive producer is Max Silas. And we'll be back on Monday. This is The Guardian.